Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can gather here today using this means, this technology, these tools that have been provided by those that had their own intentions, no doubt, but uh, <laughs> but we're able to use these tools for your honor and glory, Father. I thank you so much for that, for gathering us together here with the word open before us. Father, I pray that that would be a great blessing to us this morning. And we do pray, of course, uh, for all those who are here with us and also all those who will listen at a later time to the recording of our meeting today. So, Father, I pray that uh, you'd enable me to communicate that which you would have for all of us today. Father, there's so many things to be thankful for, and we do thank you for all things that you're working together for our good. And uh, we're thankful that you've already given us, you've granted us freely every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for that, Father. What a glorious thing indeed that is, and uh, we're so thankful. Father, I can't help but think of all the ways you've worked down through the years in our lives. And uh, though I know our own here so well, you know them all, all those ways you've intersected with the lives of all of your children and certainly all those gathered here this morning. And thank you for reminding us each individually, Father, of all those ways that you worked in our uh, personal history uh, to prepare us and uh, and even to then at the appointed time uh, bring us that wonderful good news concerning the grace through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, Father, thank you for intersecting with our lives with that message and with those those of your children that brought that message to us. For some, just the motivation to open the word and read, what a blessing that was and with such a great effect in each life. So, Father, thank you so much for that. And uh, it's changed all of our lives and set us on a course uh, that leads to eternity and your very, very presence. So, Father, thank you for delivering us from condemnation and and bringing us through Christ's death, burial, and glorious resurrection uh, into the realm of justification instead. So, Father, we do look forward and we listen carefully. Perhaps today we'll hear that voice, that call, and that shout into heaven's glory. What a what a incredible day that will be. Father, there are many uh, burdens on hearts and also prayers and thanksgivings. And Father, I pray for our nation. It seems its liberties are rapidly slipping away. We're only seeing uh, the, the uh, trees and not the forest, though. We can't see behind the scenes. So we don't know, Father, all the things that you're doing. But I pray, Father, that you would effect a great transformation, not of the sort the leftists have desired, but of another kind altogether, as you raise up many, many who dare to speak forth, uh, not only their desire for liberty, but their claims <laughs> to the liberty, which can come, Father, only from you. And I pray that many would turn to you and wait on you throughout this time of trial and testing for our nation and father may our nation be delivered if that's your will for us otherwise father may your people be encouraged through these times and may we be prepared for what's yet to come well so father thank you now for the time to share your word and may it be a blessing to our hearts in christ's name and and amen all right <clears throat> We're on part four 
of uh, the great transition, the glorious sweep of God's abundant grace. God uh, moves from one dispensational plan to another. We've been studying here in the early chapters in the book of Acts uh, as to how that began there on the day of Pentecost, just after Christ's uh, final words to his apostles and then his ascension into heaven's glory where he currently sits at the right hand of the Father. So <clears throat> that day was awaited. Uh, Christ said, wait until the promise of the Spirit is given. So uh, they waited in Jerusalem. They were gathered there because of the uh, high holy days. Um, Jews out of every nation under heaven, it says. They had come from all over the place. Remember, the pilgrimage was very, very important for Jews, as it is for uh, in other religions too. But uh, in God's revealed religion, the Jewish faith, uh, many wanted to come at some point in their lives to Jerusalem and to worship there on the day of Pentecost and uh, on those high holy days. So they uh, they were there, gathered together, and the d disciples were waiting. They didn't go forth uh, with the message of Christ's resurrection. They waited for the coming of the Spirit as they were commanded. And there was a great miracle there on the day of Pentecost in that each one, even all those from foreign nations who had lost their use of the Hebrew language mostly and were uh, only able to really to understand uh, in their own native tongue, they all heard in their ears what was spoken uh, in their own language. <laughs> they heard in their own ears uh, everything that Peter spoke in their own language. So that was an incredible miracle. Well, that uh, caused quite a stir, as you might expect. Uh, Peter had preached there uh, in, on that day uh, about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and how the coming of the Spirit was a sign concerning Christ's resurrection. Because remember, he had said, I will send the Spirit, just wait. Uh, in Jerusalem, and I will send the Spirit. Well, he's not able to send the Spirit if he's still in the tomb. So he was uh, gloriously raised and ascended into heaven's glory and sent forth the Spirit in place of himself. Okay, remember the apostles had said, is it time for the kingdom to be established? In other words, is it time now for uh, you to institute what has long been pro prophesied the coming kingdom on earth, the 1,000-year millennial reign here on this earth, with all the enemies of Israel being put down and uh, the nation exalted. And uh, Christ's answer was, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. God, God the Father, uh, is the one who is in control of that. Instead, he says, wait for the promise of the Spirit. So it's implied that there will be a delay in the fulfillment of those prophecies. But how long? Perhaps not very long at all. I mean, because miracles and signs are being now worked out everywhere. Healings, uh, speaking in foreign languages that were unlearned and all of this. And, and Peter goes on there that day to refer back to Joel, the great prophet, and his prophecy. Uh, some things of which uh, Joel had prophesied already being, it seemed, fulfilled. So uh, that's what Peter preaches. And, of course, those that were there were expecting even more, right? But what about the rulers of Israel? The focus is going to shift to that shortly, as we saw in the last uh, study here on Sunday morning. Remember, Peter on that day said the the proof of Christ's resurrection is the coming of the Spirit, right? So, but there's also one other aspect of that, and that's that Joel prophesied and coming judgment as well, right? Not just blessing would come, 
but judgment would come. This is called the the terrible day of the Lord, the great and terrible day of the Lord. Joel himself uh, foretold that in chapter 2, verse 31 of his great prophecy, the great and terrible day of the Lord. Well, not just a time of blessing coming, but a time of great judgment. Well, so for the rulers of Israel to hear this, as they soon would, would be a remarkable thing. I don't think they were there on the day of Pentecost, at least not many of them, but certainly as time moves ahead here, uh, Peter soon uh, is in the temple along with many others who have responded to the dramatic healing of a man who had been crippled from his birth. And the man was dramatically healed, praising the Lord, uh, dancing before the people. And they went directly into the temple where, of course, the rulers of the temple and the rulers of the nation were gathered. This includes the high priest and so forth, right? And Peter preaches boldly to them. So this is a rather direct uh, speech directed to those that had turned the Lord over to be to be killed, right? And that's exactly what Peter says. And uh, it's just an amazing thing. But let's read, just so we have the context here. I've asked uh, Patty to read from Acts 2, and then we'll, uh, I'll read a little bit from Acts 3, and then we'll immediately move into Acts 4. So, <laughs> Patty, would you please read from Acts 2, 37 to 41. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Okay, thank you. So the Lord now had 3,000 added <clears throat> to the ones already there, right? So how many do we have? I don't know, four or 5,000 or so. But the Lord, uh, it seems, required much more than those 3,000 to be added. In fact, he wanted an elect nation, a people for his name, you recall, right? And that's what we find uh, then in Acts chapter 3, as we see Peter now preaching directly to the rulers of the nation. For if the rulers of the nation will not receive their Messiah, how can there be an elect nation prepared uh, for the name of the Lord, right? And ready for his kingdom inheritance. Okay, so Acts chapter 3 then puts a special focus on those leaders. And I think that's the key thing there. Um, you remember that... Um, Many in the nation, and certainly the leaders of the nation, had uh, turned the Lord over to be crucified, right? Uh, and when when we read there, as Patty just did there, about being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, the context in the previous verse even is all about that. Uh, they're pricked in their hearts regarding their sin, their rebellion against God and in, in turning Jesus over to be crucified. Okay, so it's all in that context uh, that they they desire deliverance because if not, they're going to suffer judgment, right? And the judgment will be so severe. They can only imagine how severe, right? Okay, so we get to chapter three and uh, now uh, Peter's preaching directly to the uh, 
high priest and uh, the others who were leading that nation, religiously speaking and in a practical sense, uh, not not really. Uh, the Romans were <laughs> ruling that nation, but uh, these thought the nation belonged to them by rights and privilege, and so uh, they're uh, the ones taking full responsibility for the nation spiritually. What a sad, sad thing that will be if they do not receive Peter's message. And so on a special day that God chose, Peter preached to these in the temple, in the temple. So really what he's doing is giving them a special uh, second chance. Remember, he had said, rather Christ had said from the cross, Father, forgive them that they know not what they do. Peter had even said, you did this through ignorance, right? So really, there are second chances being given here. And in Acts chapter 3, where the offer of the kingdom is found, we see, first of all, uh, Peter is blaming directly <laughs> the leaders of Israel for what has happened, right, to the Lord Jesus, right? Um, and he uses the word you a number of times there, Acts chapter 3, verse uh, 13. The God of Abraham, Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murder. So they desired a murder in the process they uh, turned over to be murdered their own Lord and Savior, right? And verse 15, and killed, you killed unto you, and you killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are all witnesses. Okay. And now verse 17, you did it through ignorance. And there were many there, apparently, in addition to the rulers, it says, through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. Okay, so what Peter is doing here is offering, in a formal way, the kingdom to the nation through its leaders. Okay? But he goes on and he says uh, what's required of them. He says in verse 19, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. He shall send Jesus Christ. Okay, so uh, this points directly to the second coming. If they would repent, uh, then the Lord would come. Because the nation, they would then have an elect nation, as it were, right? Uh, so the critical step would have been accomplished in uh, this Pentecostal dispensation where the Spirit of God is at work. Great messages are being preached and miracles are proving that uh, these who speak these messages are speaking from God and uh, the powers demonstrated are truly uh, of the resurrection power of Christ, right? So many believe, many believe, and uh, we'll see uh, it's a great many indeed as we go on uh, into chapter 4. Okay, chapter 4. There's a problem. <clears throat> um the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees turn against the apostles and the disciples. Um, rather than receiving the message that Peter preached, they, they oppose it. And they're grieved. It says in Acts chapter 4, verse 2, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. But nevertheless, uh, there was a great revival continuing because verse 4 says, Nevertheless, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. 
So we've got 5,000 added to the earlier, three added to the earlier ones. It seems to me we have about nine or 10,000 at this point in time. But the big question is, would the leadership of the nation repent? And uh, as we shall see, they will not. Hmm. So today, our outline will be focused on the kingdom foreshadowed in power, but nevertheless rejected. Okay? The kingdom foreshadowed in power, but nevertheless rejected. So first will be signs and wonders given with the sharing of both property and hearts. So there's going to be a great work of the Spirit amongst the believers where property is shared and held in common and hearts are joined together. This will be a great work of the Spirit indeed. What a miracle that would be, right? Secondly, a rebellious spirit continues, though, with kingdom judgments foreshadowed. So not all blessings are to come, but there will be judgments, kingdom judgments even foreshadowed. And finally, the king, and we'll really save this mostly for next time, but the kingdom itself foreshadowed in power, but nevertheless rejected. What a sad, sad thing will eventually come upon this nation. Okay, first of all, signs and wonders given with the sharing of both property and hearts. Now, the focus and the emphasis is going to be on this here now. Okay, I want you to see it clearly that the great miracle now will be that property will be shared communally and hearts, and we're talking about the hearts of sinners here, but in some miraculous way, the hearts of the people will be joined together in unity. Okay, all of this pointing forward to kingdom, power, and glory, of course. Okay, so we looked quickly at this last time in chapter 4, but I'd like, uh, Lisa, if you'd read this for us now, Acts chapter 4, verses 29 through 32. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own but they had all things common. Thank you, Lisa. Well, I pointed out last time how, uh, you know, <laughs> communist uh, um, politicians uh, like to uh, claim that they're basing their their doctrines on the Bible. And they, of course, go to verses like this. <clears throat> but, of course, uh, it's a big difference between the um, the communist dictatorial rule and what's happening here, where it's God in this case, it's God, the Holy Spirit, ruling in the hearts of many. What a difference, indeed, there is there. Of course, communism is, is atheistic always, right? And if God can't rule because God doesn't exist, as they claim, then those with the greatest power will rule. And that's what you have in communist nations. Okay, so note, though, what it says here. This is a great, great miracle. The Holy Spirit has come upon them, right? Shaken, looks like there's an earthquake, right? Um, and uh, they're speaking forth uh, the word of God with all boldness. And those that believe, it says, were of one heart and of one soul. There's a union here of the hearts, incredible, really, to experience. Now, 
today, many that do not rightly divide the word like to go to these Pentecostal events and say, well, that's what we have here today. We have a perfect unity of heart and mind and spirit and soul uh, amongst believers. Well, that's simply not true. There is what you see in the churches uh, in all cases to some degree and some you see it so visibly displayed is a disunity, right? Not this perfect unity they had there on that day. Notice it says they had the perfect unity. Not that they should have had it. Not that they should desire it. Not that they should work towards it. They actually had it. It was a reality. It was a foreshadowing of kingdom power. Okay? And they were supposed to realize it was exactly that. Okay? Um, but there were some in the midst who'd heard the message and wanted to, what did they do? They virtue signaled. They said, okay, we'll sell this piece of land, we'll take the money, and we'll give it to the apostles. But they didn't. They kept some of it back for themselves. Let's read about them. So there was certainly a, writ, a, a root, a root of bitterness and rebellion here, wasn't there? So, um Gail, would you read for us, please? Acts chapter 4, verses 34 through 37. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joses, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, thank you, Gail. So there's a powerful demonstration of a true communal spirit here where everything is shared in common. Notice it says they didn't uh, hold anything back. The Spirit of God was upon them and in them and working uh, this effect, uh, this perfect unity, right? And it was a communal kind of unity. They gave what they had for equal distribution according to the needs of each one. Okay. Now, if you remember our Lord's words, see, it was all given to the apostles to manage all of this. That's going to lead to an issue in chapter 5. And, and so as we go ahead, um, as to how well the apostles could manage such a, such a great series of events as this, right? But um, nevertheless, they were responsible for the whole thing. And they ruled, we would hope, rather well, okay, with God's help. But I remember, and you remember, back in Matthew chapter 19, um, it says this, verse 28, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. That's Matthew 19, verses 28 through 30, where Christ is uh, foretelling the coming kingdom, right? The 12 apostles will sit on 12 thrones, judging and ruling the 12 tribes and managing it all. Okay, so signs and wonders now are actually being given in Jerusalem, pointing forward to that completion, that time of great fulfillment when the Lord returns and establishes his kingdom. Uh, we don't see all kingdom promises fulfilled here in Acts chapter 4, but surely there is a foreshadowing of what's to come. 
And note, this is not what we experience today. God is not working like this. That would be a truly health is wealth message indeed, would it not? But health and wealth messages today are not of God, okay? Now, it's not all going so well, however. Not all was well there in those days, as we shall now see. There was a rebellious spirit um, here, and as a result, judgment must come. Okay, A spirit of rebellion in the nation that would ultimately lead to its downfall if it were not quenched. So let's read about it here. Uh, and for that, I'd like Elizabeth to read this for us uh, in Acts chapter 5, now verses 1 through 4. But a certain, <clears throat> but a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it. And brought a certain part of part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the pride price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart you have not lied to men, but to God. Thank you, Elizabeth. Okay, so what we see is that the Holy Spirit of God had encouraged all to sell and to provide and to share. Uh, even these two here, Ananias and his wife, uh, Sapphira, and they do sell some property. Uh, and create proceeds then to be given to the apostles. But <laughs> a spirit of hypocrisy had overcome them. <laughs> and so they held back some. Now, I don't think Peter could look at the <clears throat> purchase and sale agreement where they sold some land to an unbeliever. <laughs> I mean, believers were selling what they had, not buying, right? <clears throat> so they sold to unbelievers. But I don't think Peter could see it, but he had revelation from God directly, right? That these uh, did not give properly. Uh, their spirits were not under the power of the Spirit of God. They were, in fact, imposters, it seems, Okay. Hmm, right in the midst of the saints of God, okay? And uh, so what must occur but judgment? Uh, the judgment of God fell, and it was immediate, conclusive, and final. These are the words from Peter. Uh, <laughs> he said, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land? So you see, they were supposed to sell it and give it all without holding anything back. That was the whole point of it. Truly uh, a communal uh, work of God here was in effect and in process. Well, verse 5 says, And hearing these words from Peter Ananias fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. Wow, that's pretty severe punishment. Uh, Ananias is struck down without even an opportunity to repent or anything, right? Uh, he's just gone, right? Well, that's quite an incredible judgment from God, but it's not the only one that's going to occur here. And all of these judgments point forward to millennial uh, judgments. When the kingdom is established, no one will be allowed in uh, who is not a believer. Okay, So all the unbelievers alive, alive at that time will be uh, taken out. And these uh, here are foreshadowing that 
uh, here, Ananias and Sapphira. Many religious people, therefore, are not saved, and certainly these are good examples of, of that. How does it go with Sapphira? You know how it goes. She also falls dead. Um, you might wonder, how, how can it be that judgments fall just because of matters of the heart? Remember, Ananias and Sapphira, they sold the land, but in their hearts, they decided, well, we'll keep back some of this, okay? Um, and uh, then they did. They, they did keep back some of it. But, uh, you know, matters of the heart are being elevated very highly, it seems. And uh, that corresponds, though, with uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Didn't Christ teach that? He Back in Matthew chapter 5, we see it recorded how he did teach exactly that. Remember, he says in Matthew 5:28, Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And then he says uh, concerning an eye that offends, pluck it out. Um, a hand that offends, cut it off. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. So when the Spirit of God comes upon those uh, ready to enter into the kingdom, uh, there will be those present who are false and not true believers, but they will be cast out. And only those uh, brought into the kingdom who truly are inheriting what has been promised to them. It will be the elect nation that we've read so much about. This all reminds me very much of Zechariah chapter 5, and I want us to, to quickly look at that. In Zechariah chapter 5, there is a prophecy regarding the coming kingdom. Can you read for us verses uh, 1 through 4 of Zechariah 5, please? Okay. When I turned and lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a flying roll. And he said unto me, What sees you? And I answered, I see the flying roll. The length thereof is 20 cubits, and the breadth thereof 10 cubits. Then said he unto me, This is a curse that goes forth over the face of the whole earth. For every one that stealeth shall be cut off, as on this side according to it. And every one that sweareth shall be cut off, as on that side according to it. I will bring it forth, saith the Lord of hosts, and ye shall enter in, into this house of the thief, and into the house of him that serveth falsely by my name, and ye shall remain in the midst of this house, his house, and shall consume it with the timber thereof, and stones thereof. Thank you for reading for us. So not only Ananias was subject to this kind of judgment, it's as if the flying scroll had come to them. There was probably no actual flying scroll there uh, that would await the coming kingdom, right? But a similar thing, a foreshadowing of the judgment that would come with the kingdom was uh, being experienced here by Ananias first, then Sapphira, and... Uh, <laughs> oh, my. Uh, Peter speaks to her, and she falls down dead. Um, but this amazing miracle is continuing, that this unity of the Spirit is dominating uh, in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 5, verse 12 makes that so clear. Tom, would you read that today for us, please? And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Parentheses. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Thank you, Tom. It does go on, but our time doesn't. And uh, so <laughs> I must cut it short today. But so miracles, signs. And that they were of one accord. Uh, 
are the marks of this Pentecostal dispensation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come upon all those there and uh, worked this great miracle. Yes, there are imposters uh, as well, and they are being removed. Those that stand opposed to the teaching will suffer judgment. All who rebel against this working will be cut off, as Peter previously said, as he read from the Mosaic prophecy, right? Uh, cut off. It was a promise of God, right? Pointing forward to this time uh, that they're now beginning to enter into, or, or so it seems, right? Verse 14, And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. But, Though this great work of the Lord was occurring, the enemies of God were still actively opposing God's work. And as we will see, that will have its consequence. We'll reserve most of it for next time. But uh, a man named Gamaliel is going to stand up and speak before the elders of Israel. And... Uh, He's basically going to say, and this is where we'll start next time, he's going to say, be careful about opposing what you see happening in Jerusalem, because if it is indeed the work of men, it will come to nothing. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. This man had great wisdom. This man was the teacher of a man named Saul that we'll be learning much about in our next two meetings. Okay? Gamaliel speaks some truth here uh, to the rulers of Israel. And that brings us to chapter 6, where we will be next time, Lord willing. And what will we see? We will see how Israel formal, formally, formally rejects the message of God. What had been Israel's rising will begin to be Israel's fall. We'll learn all about that next time here as we gather together, Lord willing. So, even the Holy Spirit's coming in great power with signs and wonders and a work in the hearts such as perhaps had never been seen before was not enough to establish that long-awaited elect nation of God, a people for his name. There were many thousands, but it was not enough. And God is now about to draw the curtain on that great Pentecostal act and what followed. The focus on Israel will be replaced with a focus on the Gentiles. Kingdom law will be rejected and give way to God's unlimited grace. And we'll see that as we continue here in the weeks to come. So praise God for his abundant grace. Yes, we've given up much, as it were. We didn't really give it up, but as it were, we gave it up. Israel's great blessings were left behind, and uh, instead, something far better, the abundant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. Well, I hope we're all resting, even in dark times, mm -hmm. because of that abundant grace. Well, any comments uh, or questions before we close today? Hey, Jim, it's Charlie. So I have a uh, okay. I'm Ananias and Sapphira issue. I have always struggled with that because I never understood that. I couldn't figure out if I have $1,000 and I decide to give 700 to the ministry but keep $300 back. In my heart and mind, I've always given seven hundred dollars. 
So how is it that I lied to the Holy Spirit? So Well, because it's made clear there that the Holy Spirit's demanding everything. At that time. time, Everything. I see. And the true believers are not considering any private property to be theirs any longer. Okay? Okay. (laughs) Because it is the Spirit working this great miracle in them. Ananias and Sapphira didn't have the Spirit controlling them. Mm. Okay? They were just signaling virtue, as it were. We hear a lot about that today, right? Right. It's not real. And for the others, it was real, and they really did have unity of heart, mind, soul, and spirit at that time, because that was the great Pentecostal work of God. That's, uh, I think, what needs to be said. Patty has a question. Well, it's not exactly a question, but when you were talking about how the um, Marxist um, spokespeople go to the Bible so that they can drop Christians in to their Marxist um, system of governance. Um, but I think the is it, this is an example of how, how critical it is to rightly divide the word of truth. Because um, the, the, I think probably... Most of the liberal churches and many of the um, supposedly evangelical churches um, do not rightly divide. And they try to apply these dispensational principles to the church, the body of Christ. And they short circuit the, the grace of God and then they set themselves up for confusion and um, in inconsistency, hypocrisy. Uh, so I think this is an, Ananias and Sapphira and the judgment of God upon them um, is it's, it's essential to understand the right division, lest we fall into the trap of thinking, oh, well, we should live like that, but we can't live like that. Well, there's a reason we can't live like that today, and that's because that's not the um, the ruling, the governance of God over the dispensation of the grace of God in the body of Christ. Right, and liberalism destroyed the churches pretty pretty significantly, you know, uh, over a hundred years ago. Right <clears throat> now, we have neoliberalism doing the same thing, using a similar message, only. Satan has advanced in his way of presenting that message, and it's capturing the lives of so very, very many. It's not just a social gospel anymore. It's far more than that. It's called spiritual. In fact, uh, spirit, truly spiritual principles are, are, are cast out, and uh, other kinds of spirituality are coming in so rapidly. Well, anyway, you go into any Christian bookstores, look to see what books are there being sold. It's certainly not those that glorify God for the most part. And the seminaries lead the way. Any other questions or comments? Hi, Jim. I had two quick comments. And uh, the first one is kind of piggyback on uh, Charlie's question. I think the answer is on verse 3 of Acts chapter 5. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? So it's very obvious. Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit did not descend upon Ananias and Sapphira. Right. right. <laughs> because it was Satan's has filled his heart. And in the Greek, it said, fill is pleru, right? It's fill. Yeah. So obviously his intention has always to deceive. Yes. And the fact that he was with a bunch of believers filled with the Holy Spirit is Satan's way to infiltrate those, you know, believers. Yes. So uh, at that time, you know, the, all the signs and wonders, of course, God needed to do something to really eliminate that, to demonstrate, you know, the, his power. Yes, very, very true. Well said, Lewis. Thanks so much. Now, the come to the common number two, the, the so-called communal. Okay, I still remember a discussion with a colleague of mine, and he tried to establish a church 
in this local area. And I asked him, you know, uh, what's his model of church is going to be. Then he was talking about, and I'll go back to early Acts chapter two, everybody share. Then I was thinking, you have one of the biggest houses in the neighborhood. <laughs> Are you willing <laughs> yeah. to share? Oh, yeah. One of the biggest houses in like the entire county. All right. <laughs> <laughs> They're clearly acts two people. Yeah, but anyway, so I found that fascinating. And uh, so you can, you know, share everything like communists want to promote. That's fine. But you don't have to look very far. Just go to Romans chapter 15. I think toward the end, I forgot what verse. It talked about the Paul was asking people to support those poor saints in Jerusalem. Yes. Yeah, that's what happened when you saw all your you know, belongings put together, then dispensations fading away, all of a sudden you're left in the poverty, then you need somebody's help. <laughs> well, and that's why Paul felt a special obligation for those poor saints, see? Yeah, because the dispensation, that dispensation had passed and been replaced by another, and yeah, yeah, actually, you're right, Romans chapter 15 is the place to go for that teaching. Well, thanks, all. It's very excellent indeed, and uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you, thank you. Thank you for gathering us today for this special word uh, from your word. And may we indeed seek to rightly divide it, that we might comprehend it properly, and that we might know the power and the glory of your work uh, today. It's all about what you're doing, Father, and what you're doing in and then through us as, as we... Uh, receive gladly the abundance of your grace. So, Father, though there are many uh, challenges ahead, uh, we look forward with joy uh, expectantly because uh, we know that uh, the next thing on our prophetic horizon will be the catching up to meet our Lord Jesus in the air and with all those that have gone before. And then to be gathered together with you, Heavenly Father, and with our Lord Jesus forevermore. We're looking forward, Father, desiring that appearing so greatly. And may those blessings be sufficient to us to carry us through our day. And we thank you, Father, for gathering us today in Christ's name. And amen.